Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sam's Report. Today is, oh my god, it, it is December 9th. Mm, getting close to Christmas. Close to Christmas. I don't know, if you if you watched the show last week, you can still see part of the remnants back here. Uh, this region of my office was turned into Santa's workshop. My wife was down here <laughs> wrapping presents for a toddler who will be filled with joy. Um, but I've reclaimed some of the space, although as you can see by this stuff, it's all... It was up here, and now I just shoved it down there. But, uh, anyways, getting close to the holiday season, and typically this time of the year things start to slow down. A uh, little bit of shoe in the mouth, foot in the mouth, whatever you want to call it. Uh, especially this week. This week was absolutely crazy. Uh, like, really crazy. I, Microsoft always keeps it interesting. This is one of the things that I love about the company. I don't know how much of you guys follow other companies, other large enterprises, but Microsoft is very good, especially under Nadella, about kind of broadcasting where the company is going. Like, we have HoloLens, uh, we have the announcements this week, so it's not really hard to figure out where Microsoft's future is headed now. That may not have been so easy to understand five years ago, but the company is really become quite good about saying, okay, this is our vision, this is how we're going to get there, these are the steps that we're taking. Sure, they're not always going to be perfect steps, and we, we're going to have a few hiccups along the way, a few things will get burned, a few things will get propped up, but... Once again this week, they've done an, an exceptional job of just highlighting about their future with Windows. And so this is going to be a fun episode. It's been a, it's been a really fun week talking with different uh, people in the industry. And, oh, I forgot to turn off my space heater because it does get a little chilly down here in Santa's workshop. Uh, it's been really fun talking to different people throughout the industry about how this how this change potentially impacts what they're doing. And so this episode definitely has a little bit of a little bit of A, a little bit of B. I mean, it's got a lot of consumer stuff. It's got a lot of a lot of enterprise stuff. Every time I don't do something that's in the enterprise, I I always get a couple messages saying, "Hey, you forgot about us." Um, and so that is definitely happening in this episode. And so let's just kick things off with something that's not Microsoft related. And and this is not a big surprise. So if you're familiar with the company called Magic Leap, this company raised uh, I think a billion dollars, like a B with a billion, on what is turning out to be something that's not so real, if that makes sense. Uh, there was a great report by a website called The Information. It is a, a premium site. You have to pay to subscribe to it. But this this article is well worth reading, and people have kind of re regurgitated it elsewhere, so you can go find that information. But here's the, the short, short of it, that they made these huge ambitious claims that they were going to do... Uh, kind of mixed reality, augmented reality, and virtual reality, all on a headset, uh, Google Glass-like type thing, and it was going to be HoloLens-like, and it was just going to be absolutely amazing. And they, they raised a billion dollars for some really big people, like uh, Google, for one, invested in them, I think, Andreessen Horowitz, a whole, like, the whole crop of high-profile VCs dumped money into this, this company. And what's coming out now is that they, they might have oversold it a little bit, or a lot of it. And their first iteration isn't going to be anything like their initial videos that they showed off, which apparently they hired a, uh, uh, an effects company, uh, like a Hollywood studio type company out of New Zealand to create their initial video about what it's going to be like. And so, yeah, and <laughs> it just it's I, I really find these things interesting because there's other examples of this, like a company called Color many, many years ago, uh, where they just get huge valuations and on nothing, on just like this, this simple idea or simple video and with no real tech behind it, 
And it, that reality isn't actually really coming to fruition, at least not in the way that they promised. Surprise, surprise. And, uh, yeah. And, I don't know, there was a lot of... Microsoft honestly got a lot of good press out of it because people were like saying, hey, if you want what Magically promised, Microsoft's HoloLens, you can buy it today. It's pretty close. It's obviously not as good as what they promised because I think they oversold it, but there you go. And so Microsoft was having a pretty good field day with that. Actually, Frank Shaw was... Uh, subtweeting quite a bit about it anyway so that's magically go check it out and kind of see what's happening it's an interview with uh i think past employees who have left the company and all that good stuff so anyways definitely check that out uh speaking of billion dollars microsoft officially gave linkedin 26.2 billion dollars in cash and other cash equivalents or cash currencies whatever you want to call it uh and they now own linkedin they do and one of the things their first objectives is that they want to get LinkedIn notifications into Action Center, which, oh God, Microsoft. Uh, yeah, they, they shouldn't have put that in the initial blog post. <laughs> People already are annoyed by LinkedIn notifications, mostly because they're useless. And I'm just waiting for the day that I ask Cortana what the weather is. And she tells me that it's sunny outside and that there's 10 local jobs available. Anyways, Microsoft now owns LinkedIn. I do think this is a good purchase. I don't know if I agree with $26.2 I can totally see why they want these assets. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. Because imagine one of the things I talked about is, is linking all this stuff into Outlook, uh, their email application. And so you can imagine that if you're emailing somebody from outside the company, you have all their LinkedIn information right there inside of Outlook. And so it's going to become really important here if you live in the corporate world to make sure that stuff is up to date because it's now about to be everywhere. Anyways, so Microsoft now owns LinkedIn. Just let that set in. Uh, we'll see if there's a write-off here anytime soon, but that's uh, that's the way we are today. Uh, and other things going on. Uh, Sony announced this week that they sold uh, over 50 million PlayStation 4s. And so this is great. Uh, consumer things that are, are like this are great. I, I'm happy for Sony that they sold 50 million. Um, one, it solidifies that PlayStation has a very strong future, which is what we need. Microsoft's Xbox One has not sold as well. I think the current understanding is that they're around 20 to 25 million, so about half. And that's not bad. It's not great. Obviously, Microsoft would love to sell 100 million or 51 million or whatever. They'd love to be leading, but that's the reality is that they're not going to win everything. But still, selling 25 million Xbox Ones is, is good. And what it really does is it tells you that, hey, Xbox and PlayStation are here. They're not going away. We already knew that because we have PlayStation Pro on the horizon and uh scorpio from microsoft and so competition in this space is good we need we honestly need as a gamer we need both playstation and xbox one i'd be happy if they were both exactly at 50 million so that they were fighting even harder uh to kind of nudge out the other competition but uh this we, we absolutely need these two companies to survive and continue to selling these things in high volume because it, the consumer absolutely wins here so uh, anyways um let's just kind of dive in right so microsoft this week uh, in china at what at their conference called WinHack, which is where they kind of talk about the future of their hardware components and where they're going for the next year and this kind of stuff is they're bringing arm or they're bringing windows apps to arm they're bringing proper windows to arm they are bringing let me just say that they're bringing full windows with x86 and win32 emulation to arm this is absolutely significant and this very well might be the biggest shift in computing uh, that I've really been alive for. I, granted, I was around, I was a, a child when the internet came out, but I was, you know, 
HCCA net and all that good stuff. I did screw around with it, uh, but I was pretty young. But the, but I mean, this is this is dramatic. This is uh, I, I can't ex stress that if Microsoft plays their cards right here, and I think they will, because they're going to have a lot of partners in this stuff. This is going to be the biggest shift in computing potentially in our lives, mostly because what we have going on here is. Intel has a stranglehold on the desktop and the, the chip market for PCs. If you want to run a Windows, you're buying an Intel chip. Yes, you can buy AMD, but it's an x86 architecture. What Microsoft is doing is taking everything about x86 and bringing it to ARM. And ARM is a modern infrastructure, a modern processor. And the best part about ARM is that it's licensed. It's You don't go to the ARM company to buy an ARM chip. You can go to Qualcomm, you can go to NVIDIA, uh, you, Apple makes them, the, my, Motorola makes them. Everybody makes an ARM-based chip. And so what this is gonna do, like I can't, I can't even begin to explain how big this is, is this is going to open up opportunities. Microsoft is already partnering with Qualcomm and they said other people are coming, other companies are coming. Is that you're, I know I talked about this before, but your next computer very well could be an ARM chip and it will run Photoshop. Like think about that. That Microsoft showed off Photoshop. They actually put out a video that shows how well Windows runs on ARM in this emulation layer. Uh, because most people hear emulation and think, ah, oh, crap, uh, there's going to be a performance hit. Yes, there is a performance that you can't deny that, but it, it appears to be very negligible. They showed Photoshop booting up and that was, it was intentional. They didn't want to just have Photoshop open like on in the taskbar and they click it and it comes up. No, they wanted to show how it, it works on a cold boot uh, of the application. And that is essential because that's where the lag usually shows up is that kind of like, like, hey, let's spin up all the bits and get everything started. And they didn't do that. They went ballsy and they said, okay, we're just going to click the app and we're going to get it started. Uh, my furnace is turning on, which I turned off. Hopefully this doesn't make too much noise. <laughs> it figures. It figures here. Uh, let's just try to turn that off. Thankfully, the power of IoT. But anyway, so they showed uh, Photoshop booting up. It's it's crazy. I uh, this is This is profound. And so why this is so profound is that Intel is in a big trouble here. For a while now, ARM companies like Qualcomm have been saying that, hey, you know, our latest processes are equivalent to roughly like a core i3 performance. And for anything other than super intensive applications, such as video editing or CAD, that's about all you need. I mean, you don't need crazy things. Like for my parents, for example, if I gave them a, la a laptop that ran all the applications that they know, works f Facebook, internet, uh, email applications, Excel, Office, and all that good stuff, they would have no problem with a machine that's based on ARM. They would never know because of how it operates. Microsoft has tried this before. If it all sounds familiar, it sounds a lot like Surface RT. And it really is very similar to that. But imagine Surface RT without the crappy branding and terrible marketing efforts uh, with traditional Windows apps. And so the, the question becomes, it says, hey, okay, if there's traditional Windows app, then there's potential for malware. And that's absolutely true. But the difference here is that when you're running x86 and emulation, it's all containerized, right? It's in it's its own little bubble. And so if malware gets into that, you can just blow out the emulation layer and just reboot it and start again. It, Microsoft may not be there exactly on day one, but I guarantee you that this is being considered because this is the, the benefit of moving to ARM is Microsoft gets a, a, a very rare chance in its history, a very rare chance to completely reboot how it orchestrates uh, updates and security at an infrastructure level for Windows. On in, on x86, they can't do this. They're, they're trying to, 
And if you're saying, no, they're not. Yes, they are. They're trying to with UWP. That is that is their goal. But they can't quite get all the way there. And so with them moving to ARM, they actually have a chance to do this. And it allows them to move to a almost like a mobile style servicing of the OS on ARM. It, like this is this is absolutely crazy about what the opportunities are here for Microsoft. So guys, Microsoft, I know you guys listen to this. Please don't screw this up. This is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity that you guys have a new way of servicing. And, and they're smart people. I'm sure Terry and everybody else over there has figured this out too. How fundamental this is. And the fact that it works. And the best part about this, and it goes back to like the Xbox and uh, PlayStation stuff, is the consumer is going to be the one who wins. Because right now, if you go to the store and you want to buy a laptop, it's probably Intel-based. Intel can, for the most part, charge whatever the hell they want for a chip. If there's uh, two laptops sitting next to each other, and one's Intel, one's ARM, and they both function the exact same, there's going to be a lot of negative price pressure on this type of stuff. It's going to lower the price of an entry-level PC. It's going to lower the price of every PC. I mean, you can imagine the day that you buy a desktop that's run on ARM. And people keep saying, well, they'll never match the performance of Intel on x86. I wouldn't say the word never, but they can definitely, I bet, some days get close. And the thing is, is because ARM chips are cheap, uh, okay, so they can't have one chip on a desktop that does it. Screw it. Put four of them in there and see and see what the hell happens. See if they get better performance. See, see how it all works. I mean, this is really the fact that you can run native Windows applications on an ARM chip through an emulation layer without the performance hit that we're accustomed to is just like, this is nuts. I'm so excited about this. And it's coming next year. This isn't some like, okay, we'll be there in five. No, no, no. 2017, it's coming. They already announced that this stuff is coming from Qualcomm. And they're also going to be splitting out into other partners. They didn't announce any there, but I'd have to think that they get NVIDIA involved. They already work with that company uh, for Azure N-Series uh, virtual machines in the cloud that are GPU-based. So they already work with those guys, and they make ARM chips. And I'd have to imagine that every other large ARM manufacturer is uh, is vying for this market. So the reason why Intel is in a, in a lot of trouble here is pretty obvious, right? I honestly think we've reached peak Intel, like in their saturation of the market, and we're going to start to see things go down. One, because these ARM chips work in server. Uh, so there's a market they're going to lose. They're going to lose some market of the laptops. We'll see how far ARM chips can penetrate. Uh, but the other thing is, too, is Apple is a huge buyer of Intel chips. We all know that from their, their laptops and PCs. But we, the rumors on the street are that Apple is also experimenting on moving its infrastructure to ARM chips because they already make ARM chips. They make them for the iPhone and for their iPad. And so this is crazy. This is, this is, this is a lot of good stuff. So Microsoft, the interesting thing, and you got to pay attention closely to their, uh, their blog posts. They call these things cellular PCs. They're not calling them phones. They're not calling them laptops. They're calling them what they, they truly are. Because if you think about it, like, um, like these things, like this is a Nexus, a little bit older one. Uh, but anyways, these things are closer to power of a low end laptop than they are to a dumb phone, right? They, they call them smartphones because at one point we had dumb phones that flipped open that did nothing but make phone calls. And now we have these smartphones, which can do all sorts of things. They're essentially mini computers and Microsoft is saying, Hey, let's just call them what they are. They're cellular PCs. And what I, what my 
honest to like what I hope I see out of Microsoft, and I think they're already doing that because they talked about this, is so you'll buy a cellular PC, whatever form factor it is. It's based on ARM because ARM has a cellular cellular connectivity just built in natively. And so what I'm honestly hoping here is that one day you'll go buy a, a let's just call it a Surface phone. You buy a Surface phone that's in this shape, and then they call it a cellular PC because it connects to any network. And you go into the Windows Store and you say, okay, you know what? I actually use, uh, we'll say T-Mobile. Um, you download the T-Mobile app, you punch in your information, again, because eSIMs, which are a, a, an electronic SIM card, which means there's no little chip thing goes in there, are supposed to be embedded in these things. So you can just go then, punch in all your information, authenticate to the T-Mobile network, and then this device works just like a phone on T-Mobile. And because you authenticated with your own user ID, your phone number now works on it. But let's say you switch to Verizon in, in six months. Well, you just download the Verizon app, punch in your information, authenticates to the network, and then your phone number is on this device. Like that's what people generally call an unlocked phone. Uh, but Microsoft is hoping to do it all through software built in with the radio connectivity that comes with these cellular PCs. And I think this, this is Microsoft's mobile strategy. This is how they're hoping to come back into what we call the smartphone segment and actually be a real player. And I think it's their best bet yet. And the reason why I can say it's their best bet yet is because this is not the first time Microsoft has tried to make a play into the mobile market. Don't forget, uh, don't forget about this. And so they tried to essentially buy their way in. They built bridges uh, to port apps and they've tried everything they can. This is really, I, I honestly wonder if this is like plan F on the like, ah, shit, A, B, C, D, and E didn't work. And okay, so we really got to go big or go home. And this is them going big uh, with x86 emulation on ARM. And I do think this is a, a long-term play that is going to pay off very well for them, provided that they play their cards right over the years to come and continue to support this model, support these vendors, and make sure that these devices get out into the real world, have great performance, exceptional battery life, which is what ARM is known for. And so this is how Microsoft plans to break back into this mobile segment. It's going to extend the life of Windows because Windows now runs on ARM, true Windows. And it, I don't think this is going to save the PC. Someone's going to write, Microsoft has found a way to save the PC. I don't think that's necessarily it. I think they have found a way to extend the life significantly uh, with this type of a mentality. And so this is how Microsoft is going to survive with Windows for the next decade as it kind of ramps up other products, Azure and all that stuff. And I don't think Windows is going away. I'm not trying to say that. But I do think that we don't live in a Windows-only world, and this is how Microsoft is eventually going to make the transition from a full desktop PC to this is all you carry, and then you plug it in, and it, it runs your two 4K monitors and all that stuff. So this is this is Microsoft has laid the foundation to make the phone the only truly the only PC you need, and I have to imagine that Hewlett Packard is really pissed off right now uh, because they made, they came up with the Elite X3 and it was supposed to be this type of device that had um, x86 emulation in the cloud and it streamed it down and blah, blah, blah. They, they have the right idea and I, don't, I can't imagine they're throwing all that money away to try to get a branding play here before this market comes to a reality. But they have this device that now looks antiquated already and it's not even really fully, I mean, it is fully on sale, but it, I don't think it's doing all that well. Um, so... Yes, uh, this will be this will be interesting. The other the other thing that becomes apparent to this, and I don't have a good answer for this. I have a couple good ideas. So does this kill Windows Phone? I mean, think about that. If so, I believe it's the eight thirty will be the first chip that actually supports this. And what is the purpose of Windows Phone anymore? I don't 
I don't know if it really needs to live on because one, they're not making any money with it. Let's just get that out of the way. They're not making any money with the, the devices. Uh, we know that for many years. So the question becomes, uh, does Windows Phone live on? I honestly don't think it does. I, I think that they're going to move to this cellular PC model and that's going to be what they support in going forward. Uh, and I don't know why they would support Windows 10 Mobile as they do. I don't see what the point would be. Why would you buy a Windows 10 Mobile device if you could buy Windows 10 on ARM uh, sitting right next to it? So taking that those two like underlying components aside, so then what about the interface of Windows Phone? Because that's what people tend to love. And so I think that has to some exist at some point. Because remember, just because Windows is coming to on an ARM, it doesn't solve the app problem, right? There, Windows, the Windows Store is it's slowly getting there, but it's still light years ahead, light years behind, I should say, what is in Google Play and what is in iOS App Store. And Win32 apps, despite the fact that they run on a on ARM and a small form factor, they would be terrible to run on something like this. Can you imagine trying to run Photoshop on this? Like you would have to get out like little like a little stick and just dee -dee 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 to try to get all your crap touched. Um, so they're still missing that interface component, but I think it gives them a stronger play about why people should be using UWP and the like. So I, I, I don't foresee Windows Phone living on at least Windows 10 Mobile. The interface very well could. Uh, honestly, I know people love the interface, but I don't think the interface is loved by many people. Uh, mostly because if it was, it would have done exceptionally well in the world. And so I could I could imagine them trying to update the interface to actually uh, be a little bit more iOS and Android-like. I don't know if that's true, but that's just, just kind of speculation. Oh, buddy. I mean, this is like, this is crazy. Like I, this is the type of stuff that makes me love what Microsoft is doing because it, it's a huge thing. And so then the next question becomes, will Microsoft ever allow native compilation of ARM apps, you know, where you write your app to run natively on ARM. And so I don't know if they would ever do this. I think that they're, I think that they're going to push everybody and everything towards UWP, mostly because UWP doesn't, is not dependent on the platform. And that's a bigger strategic value to the company rather than having native apps that run on ARM that are a little bit more efficient. So I think when we go to build next year, we will see them pushing UWPs. Uh, that's universal Windows platform, by the way, uh, apps rather than native ARM compilation apps. I, I can't imagine that they would do that because that would be, it, it would be, they'd have the same problem because then if Intel ever does get it together and builds x86 for the phone, then those apps wouldn't run. And then they have the same problem all over again. So it's got to be UWP. So that that is the craziness of this arm announcement and we're just getting there like they just announced this stuff i can't wait until we hear like all these other vendors coming online and we just start seeing these products fly out uh, it's going to really hurt intel but for companies like nvidia and qualcomm this is like the best thing ever so that was windows on arm a uh, bunch of other stuff and so <laughs> I feel like uh, Microsoft knew this was coming, so they threw Intel a bone and saying, hey, hey, we know we're going to undercut your business model here. Uh, so come help us do some other stuff. And so they announced Project Evo, which is really just a, a series of things that Microsoft is working on Intel with. Uh, far field communication, voice activation, which means you could essentially pull Cortana up from a sleep state and turn it on. And so that's kind of a... We all know what Farfield is, the Echo, which you can't see, which is right right back here, uh, has that type of thing. It's not exactly new. I think the Kinect had something similar to that. But now it's going to be coming to the PC, and it will help you activate Cortana. 
uh, improved security measures. Microsoft and Intel have worked on uh, Windows Hello, uh, which with their RealSense cameras, and they're furthering that initiative. Also, Mixed Reality, which are the new headsets, you know, those 299 things that are coming that are going to allow you to do Windows Holographic. They worked with them, and also some new gaming stuff with 4K and high dynamic range and wide color gamut, uh, and they're working with Intel on this stuff, which I honest to God believe is Microsoft saying, hey, hey we're not going to burn the bridge here. Let's, you know, help us do some future stuff. Uh, don't worry about the ARM stuff we're doing that's going to completely screw you over, um, but yeah. So, I think the ARM stuff is going to be huge. It's going to take time to materialize. Do not uh, underestimate that. So, uh, other things that happened this week, a huge build of Windows 10 came out, and people are going to be like, oh, it wasn't really huge. Well, this is actually pretty huge for it to be a single build for this stuff to update. And here we go. So, here's everything that's new. There's new a ton of new Cortana functionality, uh, including new voice commands of turning, turning off your PC, changing the volume, support for new music, uh, for iHeartRadio and TuneIn, uh, what's playing, uh, music recognition support in China, and a couple other things. So definitely new Cortana functionality. And I know everyone's going to love this one. Enterprise Cloud Printing. A new Enterprise Cloud Printing Discovery UI for settings. Basically, if you have a network attached printer and you're in the enterprise and you can't ever find your printer in Windows 10, they're going to make that suck less. Uh, Windows Game Bar improvements. So if you're a gamer, when you hit Windows Key G, they're going to uh, give some optimization for games like Battlefield 1, uh, Mafia 2, Mad Max, and a bunch of other games uh, to make it work just a little bit better. Uh, Windows Ink Improvement, the Sketch app now supports the ability to resume previous sketches so you don't have to lose work anymore, which is actually really cool. I use the Sketch app, uh, not a ton, but when I'm using my Surface and I'm definitely doodling, uh, it, it it is a big help. Uh, new Edge extensions, which we talked about last week. Uh, there's now Ebates, Intel TrueKey, Read and Write. One thing I did not mention last week, and it's the reason why there aren't many extensions for Edge, is that Microsoft is still in a scenario where they're requiring developers to submit uh, requests for approval and get authentication uh, to be able to submit extensions, which is the dumbest thing on the planet. I'm sure they're doing it for compatibility reasons, but at the same time, they're also limiting the potential of uh extensions they really need to, to get their button gear and get these extensions open to everybody so anyone can just submit them on the fly and not go through this approval process because it's kind of holding things back uh uwp app rendering changes i mentioned this a while ago and it's finally here uh the rendering engine used by most universal uwp apps has been changed so you'll possibly see some visual glitches i mentioned this a while ago that they're updating it to make it uh, a little bit more snappy and make it better work across the 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 uh, entire interface or the entire UI uh, narrator improvements. If you use that, uh, the windows defender dashboard is making its debut. We saw this earlier this year and they're kind of sizzler video that they showed off back in October. So windows defender is getting a new dashboard, uh, the registry editor, which we'll hit on why this is important later. Uh, Microsoft has added a standard file keyboard shortcut to the registry editor. So it's easier to navigate. You can now use alt up arrow to go up and alt left and alt right uh, to kind of pop around the registry. Uh, and there's just a whole bunch of other changes for local demographics like Asia. Um, and so, oh, it's definitely worth checking out. There's a lot of stuff in this build. Uh, one of the annoying things in this build, and this has been happening for a little bit, and we'll, it's the insider tip of the week, is that if you go and click on the Paint app, which we think all is Paint, it actually opens the new 3D Print app, 3D Paint app, which I hate. I, I hate it. I, I know some people like this app. I I wish that they wouldn't have called it or if they would have kept paint 3d and the original paint app and not cannibalize the other one because I don't like the new one, uh, because it's, 
the things that I need to do, which is generally just crop or very simple arrangements, is now more arduous because they made 3D front and center. Give me back my old paint app. Give it back. Uh, so that's that. Uh, other things announced this week because Microsoft didn't have enough announced. They had to have just sat down and said, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to overload this week full of stuff so people can't complain the rest of the month. I, I can't imagine any other week this month is going to have this so much information. Uh, they came out and said uh, all their events, well, all their public events are happening and where they're happening. And so the biggest change, which I don't, I don't know, can't remember if I mentioned on this podcast or the other one that I do, uh, Build is no longer in San Francisco. It's going to Seattle. I know I definitely mentioned it on Twitter, but Build is going to be in Seattle and it's going to be May 10th through May, May 10th through the 12th. And so that's the biggest change is build going to Seattle. Uh, reason being is I, I suspect that they wanted more space. They announced last year that they were, uh, or they apologized last year because it sold out in like less than a minute. And so they said, Hey, we need to figure out more capacity. And so they're moving it back to Seattle. I say back to Seattle because it used to be, it was in Seattle once before. And so I don't know if it's in Seattle proper or when they see Seattle, if it's going to be in Redmond. So anyways, uh, that is that changed. Uh, during the summer, they're going to have their Worldwide Partner Conference, which they called Worldwide Partner Conference last year. They're going to change it to called Inspire. <laughs> uh, sure, call it whatever you want. Uh, it's going to be in Washington, D.C. this year, and it's July 9th through the 13th. And finally, uh, the Envision Conference that the company has, they're actually, and this is actually it makes a lot of sense. They're merging it into their Ignite conference. And so that's going to happen September 25th through the 29th in Orlando. So there's those events. Put them on your calendar if they make sense to you. And be on the lookout for Build because Build, again, I'm sure it will sell out crazy fast. But new venue, hopefully more seating. And we will see what they have going on. Whew. I'm actually kind of happy they don't have it in San Francisco. I, I don't know if I'll make it out to San Francisco this year then. Because that's usually the only reason I head out that way. So, uh, that will be good. Uh, enterprise things because Microsoft didn't have enough news this week with WinHack. So they got, the company got some bad feedback actually. And I know this because I've heard people who submitted it directly to them that when they announced the creators update, Microsoft didn't do a good job of saying, Hey, why should this come to the enterprise? Why should anybody in the business world install this? Because I don't really want my users using Groove Music or the Paint app. Uh, that doesn't really make any sense for for business purposes. And all Microsoft had to say, this is all they had to say, was at the end of Terry's thing, be like, uh, enterprise features are coming with this update and we'll let you know about them at a later date. But they didn't, they did, there was absolute radio silence. So all these, everybody was like, ah, why am I ever gonna install this stuff? And so Microsoft, I, I honestly, and I fundamentally and believe this at all bones in my body that Microsoft put this out this week to get that crowd to be like, okay, all right, this is why we might actually install it and we should start testing it today. Uh, so there's a bunch of new stuff coming. So there's going to be a significant focus based around the release of based ugh, based around the monitoring of the security of your environment in this upcoming release. Windows Security Center will be updated to support Office 365 Advanced Threat Protection. So you basically have a single view of all your security from Advanced Threat Protection in one unified thing. Uh, Windows Defender Advanced Threat Protection is getting new detection features, new intelligence features, and new remediation. Uh, Microsoft is expanding the use of sensors to detect threats that persist only in the memory or at the kernel level. So for those types of exploits, you should hopefully now get better detection and intrusion. 
uh, intelligence, Microsoft is opening up its threat intelligence to allow admins to feed their own data into the Windows Security Center and remediation side. Windows Defender ATP, which is Advanced Threat Protection, now provides admins tools to isolate machines, collect forensic, kill and clean processes, and quarantines to, and quarantine or block files faster. So that whole process of detect, kill, isolate, remove uh, is they're just improving the efficiency of that. Uh, one of the other big things here. So if you have ever converted a machine to UEFI. Uh, you kind of know the pain in the ass that that is. So Microsoft is actually including in this release a provisioning process so that when you're upgrading from Windows 7 to Windows 10, uh, let's see here, it's a new tool that allows you to automate this process and feature and can be integrated in a system center configuration. So if you know what that means, you know how big of a deal this automation of the conversion process is. I've seen it done a a few times and I know how it's a pain in the butt and Microsoft is making it a lot better. Also on the enterprise side, uh, Microsoft is extending SQL Server SQL and server lifecycle by an additional six years uh, if you are a premium assurance member. So premium assurance, it's essentially going to cost you more money. But if you get into that assurance assurance program, which gives Microsoft better cash flow, gives you better support, Microsoft is extending the servicing lifecycle of some other products with it. Um, yeah, so that is the enterprise stuff. Crazy, like like that's that's a lot of stuff this is remember this is one week like throw us a bone microsoft space this out a little bit but it's fun i love this i love that they overloaded this week and i honestly think it's because what next week starts with the 12th and i would imagine people are going to start taking vacation and and things are really just going to kind of curtail right up until uh christmas and then things go crazy with ces again so maybe that was their intent is saying okay we'll get all this stuff out before the end of the year and one last little quick note here before we get to the listener or reader questions because you guys toss some good stuff this week uh microsoft is actually now supporting 300 games on the xbox with backwards compatibility that's that's phenomenal like if if you have some older games that you love on xbox there's a pretty good chance now that you can run it on the xbox one s and so they've done a great job with supporting legacy games and hats off to microsoft for crossing that 300 games benchmark so let me refresh this tab. Uh, just as a reminder, if you ever want to ask questions for the show, it, it's too hard. <laughs> Trust me, you can tell when I start reading the chat room. I do look at it uh, during the show. I, I'm looking at it right now. But it's really hard to actually sometimes read <laughs> read the questions in there and try to keep a cognizant thought going uh, out my mouth at the same time. So there's a thread on throt.com, T-H-U-R-R-O-T-T.com, in the forums and it's I do it every week, and I just call questions for twelve. Today's title is questions for twelve nine podcast, and people toss things in there. And so to kick it off, uh, Raphael put some lorium ipsum in there, and because he's a jerk. But that's Raph. I love Raph. I hate Raph. That is Raph. Uh, so Tourniquet actually asked a question here. He says, "Will Microsoft kill Windows Mobile?" And I think I hit on this earlier, so I'm not going to dig too deep. Uh, but he said they showed full Windows on ARM devices. Of course, right now they can put it on a phone as long as it's as long as seashell is not complete and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what about as the future is Microsoft willing, killing, willing to kill Windows Mobile? I honestly think they are. I, I think the interface, if they keep it alive, will go over to cellular PCs. And I think that's Microsoft's model going forward. I, I, I think that's where they, where they are headed. I don't think it makes sense to have Windows Mobile exist alongside cellular PCs for eternity. I think they will live side by side for a small period of time until Microsoft fully gets on board uh, with that new strategy. He said, why did they choose uh, Qualcomm? 
if you think about Surface 1 and 2, they were running an NVIDIA Tegra, and they were even testing even on Texas Instruments back then. So they chose Qualcomm. I think it was just kind of at right time, right place. There was maybe some back partners, back deal water partners. I don't know. Maybe Qualcomm was really upset about the NVIDIA stuff, but they went with NVIDIA for their uh, GPU Azure N series, and it, they already announced that they're going to be going to more partners, so that will be coming. Uh, Jimmy Fowl asks, he says, consumers lost the basic functionality of group chat support for at Outlook or for at Outlook accounts when they decided to kill Windows Live Mail. I'm perplexed as to why no one in the blogosphere has complained or even mentioned the lack of contact groups in the Mail People apps as a as a as a constant thorn in my side. So this is actually a pretty legitimate question. Um, contact groups, if I understand his question correctly, is you can create a contact group that says I could create one that says. Um, uh, Paul Thrott, and I could list every single one of his emails in there, and I just email that one contact group, and it goes to all of them. I have no idea why these don't exist, but this is actually a pretty good question. I don't know, Jimmy. That's that's actually... Uh, and then it ends up, it says, so my question is, are you aware with the new people feature coming in the taskbar creators update, if we'll finally get the basic functions back in the Windows workflow? I don't know. I, I haven't heard too much about, uh, actually, to be honest, I haven't asked too much about that people, uh, the people feature. I would have to imagine that they were considering this, but I don't know if it's going to be, the thing that has me kind of biting my tongue is I don't know if they're going to lock it to Office 365. So if you're a 365 subscriber, then you might get that functionality. That's I could honestly see them doing that, but I don't know if they're actually bringing that back with the people bar. That's a very good question. I'll kind of dig around with that. Uh, home hub uh, from cbass722 it says do you think home hung being software centric from microsoft's perspective is rather is is at the request of their oem partners that want to build uh to compete in the smartphone space like windows holographic is going to let oems compete in the vm mr space home hub could do the same and so i've thought about this and that tends to make sense so you kind of got to take this take a step back here so home hub what many people thought it was, or I should say one site rumored and said it was, is that it was going to be a Cortana-like device and it was supposed to come at uh, the October event, which it did not. And so I've heard from Microsoft um, very explicitly that says, hey, these Home Hub initiative posts that are going out around the web, they're a little overselling what we're, we're trying to do here. Um, what I honestly hope that Microsoft is doing is building up Cortana to be an, an Echo-type device. I don't want to say the name because it'll activate it. And then they license that out to their partners and let them build it, let them build the hardware. That would make a lot of sense, but I would still kind of kill for a Surface, uh, a Surface Hub, uh, if you want to call it that. I know that they can't use that name, um, but that's, I, I don't know. It's a very good question. We don't quite know Microsoft's full strategy here about what they're going to do with Cortana. Cortana, and let's be honest, isn't ready yet for an Echo-like device because it still requires you to interact with the display quite a bit. Like, you have to click on targets. Uh, you have to click on, like, snooze or dismiss. You can't do it all by voice. And not, uh, and it'll bring up search queries that you have to see. And so Cortana isn't quite there. So the first thing we need is Cortana to be fully headless. And then once it reaches that state, then Microsoft can likely go to like Lenovo's and the Samsung's and the Dell's of the world to build their own type of Cortana cubes. So we will see. Uh, J. Oh, J. J. Gorilla. Gorio. I don't know how to pronounce your name. Uh, hopefully you get that. Uh, with Windows going to ARM, what are your thoughts on the future of the Surface Book, Surface Pro? This is a really interesting question. It says that would have a hybrid model. So, for example, uh, when you're using the Surface as a tablet, a non-pro, uh, 
or with a non-pro keyboard, it would have the power efficiency and less power of an ARM thing. Uh, so, so the idea here is that however, when docked with a pro keyboard, the base, performance base, it would get the Intel chip could be triggered. And so here's, here's what he, the gist of what he's saying is in the top of the tablet of the Surface Book, let's see if this pops this off. So in the top of this part, which is, this is the top of the Surface Book, that this would be ARM-based. And so when you're using it, it's like blah, 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 you're getting your ARM goodness, extra battery life, and that kind of stuff. And then when you dock it to this thing, this thing would have the Intel chip in it. And you would get the extra performance and GPU and all that stuff. So I think that's an awesome scenario. And I think it would be really sweet to do that. Here's, here's the problem with it. It would be very expensive because essentially what you're doing is building two computers. Uh, sure, you could share some RAM and some other storage things, but you're going to be buying an, an Intel chip is like two, 300 bucks. Well, I'm sure Microsoft gets it for less. Let's just say it's 150 bucks for their high-end stuff. Uh, the, the problem with that scenario, while it would be really neat is that it would be an absolutely devastation to your budget, uh, to your wallet. I, I don't foresee them doing that. I think that they would keep machines ARM or keep machines Intel. I don't think they're going to mix and match, at least not yet, until they find a way that's profitable to do it with both. So, uh, Dog asks, do you think with the future of Surface Book release, releases, the power base will be Wintel and the tablet? Oh, I was kind of, these are kind of very similar uh, questions here. Yeah, so actually, this is a very similar question. So, Caradog, you and the other individual had a very similar thing. Uh, okay, so last question here. We have Andrew Tech Help. He says, why did Microsoft never advertise Windows 10 Mobile Update eligible to Windows Phone 8.1 devices? So, what I've read this question, actually. The gist of his question is, so if you had a Windows Phone 8.1 device, uh, some of them were eligible to be upgraded to Windows 10 Mobile. Not all of them, but there was a decent chunk of these, these phones that could be updated. Why did Microsoft never forcefully go after this market? I don't think they cared. It's, it sounds terrible, but if somebody has Windows Phone 8.1 and they're happy with it, Microsoft doesn't want to change that, um, as bad as that sounds. Those users are happy, they like their device, it's working fine. By going to Windows 10, there's more issues at stake um, and the secondary thing is if people had Windows 28.1 and they knew about Windows 10 and they knew about the upgrade, they already had it. And so I, I don't think that they wanted to kind of ruffle up the masses and it's kind of sad, but Microsoft has totally just given up um, the love for their Windows 10 mobile and Windows mobile groups, mostly because I think of these ARM initiatives, they know that's the future. And so I... They never advertised it because they didn't stand anything to gain. There wasn't, there weren't so many users that it would take the numbers from 400 million to 500 million. Uh, like there was, there was no benefit to Microsoft for it, and their user base was so small. What did they stand to gain out of it? I, it's not the the roses answer that everybody wants, but I honestly think that that's what it is. And so, little market share, nothing to gain. People are happy with what they have, and if they want to get the new stuff, it's very easy to do, but they didn't need to do it. Um, so, anyways, uh, we're going to end it here, but I've got a good tip of the week, and this came up mostly because of the Paint app. So, if you like the older Paint app and you don't want to run the new one, and I, I totally get why, because I don't really care to create this 3D stuff. I just need my simple Paint editor. Uh, there is, uh, surprise, surprise, 
a registry key that you can tweak. And so if you go to throat.com and you find this episode, it's actually in there, but it's HC, HKCU forward slash software slash Microsoft slash Windows slash current version slash applet slash paint slash settings uh, slash disable mode paint bootstrap equals one. So if that makes sense to you, if that what I just said makes sense, that is how you restore the old paint app and not and you won't use the new one. The bad news is I don't know how long that's going to work. <laughs> but for now, if you're running an insider build and you want the old paint app, go find you can find that exact key string in the uh, front page post uh, for this episode. And there you go. That is how you do it. So been a little bit longer of episode week. Uh, ending with a registry hack. And again, only use the registry hack if you know what you're doing because you can totally screw up your machine. You can kill it. Quite literally, you can kill your machine, uh, your your Windows install, I should say, with a registry tweak that goes bad. So be very, very careful uh, what you're doing in there. So anyways, I'm going to end it up here, guys. I appreciate it as always watching. Uh, check out next week's for next ugh, next week's uh, link in the forums to ask questions because somebody actually already asked me on Twitter how they ask questions. And so it'll be in the forums. And as always, guys, thanks for watching. Catch you next time.